All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday night as I'm recording this. Following the making of some new music for the podcast, I wanted to at least add in a new uh, beat that kind of mixes in with everything. You guys know I love to make my own music. It's, it's a good way for me to be creative and kind of take some ownership of the pod. Really had a good time with that and wanted to put out something that was a little bit more positive and less uh, negative than the tone of the podcast and the articles of late because it's it's been a negative time. It's been really tough. And that kind of sucks. There are reasons why the negativity has been pretty strong, and I don't need to go over them here with you. You you know, you've been watching. You understand that Michael Porter might be out for a long time, and Jamal Murray's not back yet. Nikola Jokic is still out, and the Nuggets are on a four-game losing streak, which sucks. Deep breath. There are still pathways for the Nuggets to win a title this year even without Michael Porter Jr. I had to do some thinking. I had to do a little bit of uh, taking a day just just to get away and fully understand what this team was all about, what makes this team tick, and whether they have the capability. And I came away from that thinking, yeah, I, I think that if everybody else stays healthy and then if maybe they make one or two changes here or there, they do have the capability. It's going to be tough. It's going to be something where you're not necessarily sure who is going to have to step up and and whether they're going to survive until Jamal Murray returns and can give them a big boost. But they're in this right now, and it's going to be a stressful time. And so I wanted to kind of get out in front of that. Going to do a short podcast today, but going to mostly focus on the positives, on why Denver can win a title. What about this team remains good? What about this team remains fun? What people should be focusing on during this time? I am going to start, though, with the Michael Porter Jr. discussion, where if he's not here, it's going to be tough. So we'll do five reasons in the first segment and five reasons in the second segment. Do a little bit shorter pod. But here's reason number one. Even if Michael Porter Jr. is out, even if he's out for the season, he can't come back, he's going to have to recover from whatever he has to do, the rest of the rotation is still intact. Here's what I had posited Denver's nine-man rotation to be with Michael Porter Jr. You had, going from smallest to largest, Monte Morris, Jamal Murray, Will Barton, P.J. Dozier, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, Jamichael Green, and Nikola Jokic. Now you take away Porter, and you've still got four strong guards, you've still got three solid forwards, and you've still got the best player in the NBA. And that's pretty good. That is pretty, pretty good. And I think the presence of Aaron Gordon in particular makes it a little bit more palatable for Denver where he has really stepped up, played his game well, and has shown a little bit more aggressiveness in the recent games, in the recent weeks. And that has really helped. His connection with Jokic, his willingness to do everything that this team needs, has really, really helped. Think about this. Even without 
Michael Porter. Denver can still put out a starting lineup out there that features Monte Morris, Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, and Jokic. And that's basically what Denver was starting last year before they got Aaron Gordon, except they had Porter in there instead. And Gordon might actually be a better fit for that group just because he's going to rebound, but he's also going to be a little bit more defensive-minded in that unit than Porter was. And Denver was that's that's when they found their identity. That's when they figured out how to play with that group and with the roster that they had during that stretch of time, kind of after the Boston debacle, after a few losses here and there, right before the All-Star break was when they really hit their stride before getting Aaron Gordon as a team. It involved Michael Porter at the four, it involved three guards, and it involved Jokic and everybody just playing well offensively and kind of riffing off of that. Denver might have a better group defensively this year than they did that year, and that could really assist them. But even if Michael Porter is out, and even if you feel like you need to go get somebody else, here's number two. The Nuggets have limited flexibility, but they can add a wing shooter if they're willing to pay. I've been doing some research, been looking at different players, different options that Denver might find. If you recall last year, I pointed out Aaron Gordon pretty early in the process, saying that he's somebody that I thought would fit well in Denver. It wasn't perfect initially, and he needed to adjust to Jokic ball, but he's adjusted. He's clearly fit in very, very well, and the Nuggets are excellent when he's on the floor with Jokic most of the time. So listen to me on this one. There are some players that I think Denver can go after. Not all of these guys might be available. Not all of these guys would be at the price tag that Denver would be willing to pay. But I think that they could find at least some semblance of a role within Denver's offense. Kyle Anderson, Memphis Grizzlies, they are still trying to find themselves. Anderson's very good kind of reprises the the size aspect of Porter and is a very smart player and would fit in really well just as a high basketball IQ guy who's about the same size and shooting 39% from three right now. Chetty Osman of the Cleveland Cavaliers, pretty solid, pretty good, shooting better this year, giving Denver a little bit more wing size. Jeremy Lamb, a little bit smaller, but still shooting really well. Doesn't play a lick of defense, but Porter didn't at times either. So I think you'd be able to fit in a guy like that as long as they were shooting the ball well. And maybe that's the the way Denver can really handle this going forward. Cody Martin of Charlotte. Right now, Charlotte has so many wings. They have so many guards and wings on their roster. Lamelo, Terry Rozier. James Buchnight, who they drafted, Kelly, o- Kelly Oubre, um, Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington's a little bigger, but he can play the wings sometimes. They have a lot of guys, even after or even before getting to Cody Martin. And though he fits really well in what they do when they go small, they may not be able to go small all the time. So maybe there's a trade to be made there for a bigger player on Denver's roster. 
I don't know. Um, but I think it's at least exploring because Cody Martin's very good. Shooting really well, defense really well. Might be a good fit. Robert Covington, you know about him. Portland Trailblazers power forward would fit really well in Denver. Doug McDermott. Um, San Antonio signed him to a three-year contract. It's a pretty big deal. Uh, Denver would have to give up probably Jamichael Green and another salary just in order to get to that threshold. But if the Spurs are still looking to rebuild at this point, then they might decide uh, we'd rather play Keldon Johnson and all of our other guards and wings as many minutes as possible. So let's move Doug McDermott while he has value. I don't know. Josh Hart of the New Orleans Pelicans, a little bit shorter, but very strong, very capable, very versatile Villanova guy who has been in the league for a while now and is just a very capable player overall. Uh, Does a lot of different things, kind of like a supersized upgraded PJ Dozier. Maybe not supersized because he's only 6'5", but does a little bit of everything and does it really well. Um, That's a good player to have in Denver's system where they need players who can kind of mix and match. And I think that the Pelicans, given the way that they've started, they might want to try for some different trades. Just just an idea. And then the Atlanta wings. Uh, Those four wings, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, all four are good in their own ways. I'm not sure what Atlanta is willing to pay and how many of those guys they're willing to keep on their roster long-term. But it seems like they could be running into a Denver situation where Denver had Gary Harris, Will Barton, Michael Porter, Torrey Craig, Malik Beasley, and Watcher Hernan Gomez. And then they decided to get rid of Malik Beasley and Watcher Hernan Gomez because those guys were going to cost a lot of money. Denver might be in a situation where they could take on one of those players if they were willing to pay. I'm not sure if they are, but if you're trying to capitalize on a championship window, then you might as well go all in. Go through the next three before we take a quick break here. Nikola Jokic exists. I think that stands out and is something that, given that he's missed the past couple of games, it's been really difficult. It really has been difficult trying to stay level-headed about this team, I think. Just because you get caught up in the moment, you realize, okay, Jokic isn't playing, Murray isn't playing, Porter isn't playing, and Denver gives a valiant effort against the Chicago Bulls, but then they get trounced by the Phoenix Suns, who, I mean, they're trouncing everybody, so it really is understandable. But it's hard to fully appreciate the best player in the world sometimes, where he can just completely flip a script. He can do a little bit of everything, actually a lot of bit of everything. And that's one of the things that makes him so great, is that he fills so many hats for Denver. It allows everybody else to just kind of fit in around it. If you take out that piece, things look a little bit weird. So 
Hopefully he gets back. Hopefully he gets healthy. Hopefully the wrist injury is not that serious. And he can step up when Denver needs it because they're going to need it. And they're going to need a lot of it over the course of this next couple months before Murray returns. I think that's pretty clear. Number four, Aaron Gordon, playing some of the best basketball of his career. I mentioned this at the top, but he's not a star, but he really has just learned how to fill in the gaps so well around this offense and this defense. I thought it was pretty notable that over the course of these last few games, he has been immediately deployed on some of the best players in the NBA some of the best guards in the NBA. It didn't matter that they were six inches smaller than him or 40 pounds lighter than him or that they were best moving off ball and he had to go chase them like a CJ McCollum or players like that. No, he did it. He was willing to do it. And the fact that he was willing to do it says a lot. His versatility, it helped Denver survive initially when Michael Porter went down. And he has really stepped up as a scorer and a playmaker in the last couple games without Jokic. I hope he continues to do it. I think that the foundation that Denver is going to have when Murray returns of Murray, Barton, Gordon, Jokic, I think that gives Denver a lot of flexibility of malleability to be able to do a bunch of different things. It's just about getting to that point, and I hope Gordon continues to stay aggressive, stay efficient, because what he's doing right now is really, really important, and the Nuggets are benefiting from it while he's on the floor. And number five, the entire team showing some signs of regression to the mean as shooting. Last five games, Denver is 10th in three-point percentage. That includes their really impressive performance against the Trailblazers. That really carries up the average, don't get me wrong. But the Nuggets of old were capable of those performances, so I didn't want to not include it in the recent sample size. But Denver is 10th in the NBA in three-point percentage in the last five, and that doesn't include Jokic for a couple games, doesn't include Murray or Porter at all. And some of the numbers here are pretty encouraging. Jokic, 61% in three games. That's absurd. But other than him, there isn't anybody else who's just a complete outlier. Faku's up to 41%. That's like, a, it's a good few games, but it's not something that you can't repeat at all. PJ Dozier, 40%. Will Barton, 39%. Gordon, Jamichael, 38 Austin Rivers, 36 Those are great numbers. Those are perfectly reasonable. And if Denver can get those pretty consistently going forward, they're going to win more games. I saw somewhere that Denver had been really, really underwhelming, underperforming what their shot quality was, especially from three, especially on uncontested threes, where Denver's getting great looks. They're getting rhythm looks. They aren't or they weren't, at least, converting on those shots at the expected rate that they should have. And that was really hurting their offense, really hurting their shooting. And it wasn't like it was just a small mark. It was so 
vast, so large of a gap between expected and actual that it was just alarming. But it's so alarming that it had to regress. It had to come back to some sort of place. Denver's trending back in the right direction now. And as long as they can get more from Jeff Green, who's shooting 17% in the last five, Monte Morris, who's shooting 28% in the last five, and basically 29% on the season, as long as they can get more from those guys, uh, there will be progress on the shooting front, and Denver will get back to the quality shooting team that they were last year when they had Murray, when they had Porter. And because it was it was crazy that even when they didn't have those guys, or even when they didn't have Murray Barton, that they were still shooting the way that they were. People thought they were shooting over their heads. I think that they're just a good shooting team that has shot really badly. And because they've shot so badly, it's kind of changed the perspective of who they are. I said this year that they were a bad shooting team. I don't actually believe that. I think that they're missing really good shooters, and they just got hit with some really bad shooting luck. It's going to regress. It's going to return to normal. And when it returns to normal, people are going to be like, oh, man, the Nuggets. Look at them. As long as Jokic continues doing his thing, they're going to get back to elite offense. I do believe that. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will discuss the next five reasons why Denver can win a title. But first, this Thanksgiving, be thankful for free bets. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a turkey day no-brainer that you can't miss. New customers can bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets. If either team scores a point, that's right. If either team scores a point, all DraftKings customers can get in on the same game parlay offer that I got into when I was placing bets on the Nuggets and Suns game and nearly hit that parlay, but Devin Booker didn't score enough points. That's okay. Just only plus 1,100 odds. I was so close. I was so mad. But it was so close. And you can win big or get really, really close. And you can do it like me. This Thanksgiving, when all customers get a risk-free bet up to $25, if your same game parlay doesn't win, I should have waited until Thanksgiving. That's That was on me. That's my bad. The great thing about DraftKings, though, they're safe, secure, and reliable. You could deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So make sure to download DraftKings Sportsbook and use promo code MHS. Bet just $1, you can win $100 in free bets on the Thanksgiving NFL games if either team scores a point. That's promo code MHS this Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for tuning 
in. Let's get back into this great stuff that we're talking about, the more positive stuff that we're talking about. Reasons why Denver can still win a title as of right now. It's going to be hard. I think that their title odds have gone down. I think that you want to see Michael Porter in order to really see their title odds. And to be clear, I want to, I want to be absolutely clear about this. I think he's going to be done. I am not certain. I have not heard certainty on that front. I just see nerve damage. I hear some things and think, okay, let's put two and two together here. This doesn't look great. I do not want to get my hopes up and just expect him back and then be let down to that point. That would suck. However, just to be positive here, we don't know that he's not going to be back. We don't know it for sure. It's important to not jump to conclusions like I already did. But I do want to make that absolutely crystal clear for the rest of Nuggets Nation. It's important to at least keep that in mind. Five more reasons why Denver can still win the title. Let's talk about Jamal Murray. His return is going to be absolutely positively epic. Nuggets fans have sort of gained a massive appreciation for Murray in the time that he's gone. I think that they've seen, first of all, what the what the replacements look like. And Monte Morris is very good. Will Barton is really good. Uh, Faku Campazzo, Bones Highland, Austin Rivers. They can be a little bit overtaxed, a little bit overstretched in terms of what their responsibilities should be. I think that Murray, in doing what he was doing, and doing it mostly on a consistent basis, averaging 21 points per game, 48% from the field, 41% from three, five assists, four rebounds, whatever the numbers were, that people really forgot just what he could do when games were on the line and when Denver needed that extra edge, because he'd give it to them every single time. Jamal Murray in the regular season and playoffs is 27 out of 50 on threes in the clutch, which is the last five minutes of the games when the teams are within five points of each other. Since the 2019-20 season, 27 out of 50 is 54% on threes in the clutch. That is so far above everybody else, including Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, whoever, is so far above everybody else that people just, they, they need to hear about that. I saw that stat from Andy Bailey today and had to retweet. I had to share it. It's just very, very impressive. It's going to take Murray time to get back into a rhythm. He's jumping off of one leg. He's dunking. He's moving laterally. He's doing a lot of great, great, great things within the scope of his recovery, of his rehabilitation. But it's going to take some time. The good thing about it, though, is that Denver can account for that. They're going to play him with Jokic. They're going to start him. They're going to do everything that they can to get him up to speed, to get him ready, to get him connected back with what Denver's doing. And because of that, 
the entire team's identity will shift. Everybody will breathe a sigh of relief. It won't just be hanging over their heads that they don't have Murray, because they can look at him, they can see him, and he will be back, and everything will fall into place. That is my belief. I think it's well-founded. It's going to be easy, or at least relatively so, for Murray and Jokic to go back into their two-man game dance. They'll get back into practicing. They'll get back into figuring out each other's moves. And Murray being the gamer that he is, the mental assassin that he is, will figure it out. It's that simple. And then everybody else gets to fall into place. Now let's talk about that. The next reason, number seven, Will Barton. He has shown that he can step up where needed. And he's going to be asked to step up less but also more. Because when Murray comes back, Barton will move to the number three scoring role. He'll move to a different role where he kind of has to fit in around what the Murray-Jokic two-man game is going to look like. And that's okay. He's shown that he can do that. He's also shown in this year when TJ McBride tweeted this out too. There are only five players in the NBA this year that are averaging Barton's 16.6 points, 4.9 rebounds, 4.1 assists, and 40% from three. Five players. Barton, Brandon Ingram, Nikola Jokic, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant. It's the top three MVP candidates. Brandon Ingram, who gets to do it on a losing team. And Will Barton, who has completely stepped up. Who's had to make this... Just just kind of filling in as the second best player on the team. Because when Michael Porter started struggling, the team immediately defaulted to Barton. He immediately became the second guy that they wanted. And he's done an excellent job with it. If you move him to number three, you keep everything strong. He kind of fills that natural role of somebody that can go off at various points. That will have his opportunities, but he can also stagger with the bench. can also do a lot of different things. Doesn't necessarily have to take all of the tough shots now. He still can, and I hope Nuggets fans still treat him well when he does. But he's earned that, and he's earned the trust. I really do think he's been great. Number eight, Monte Morris gets to return to a six-man role. He's been up and down as a starter so far. This season has some steadiness at times, has some ups and downs. And if you were to rank starting point guards this year, I think Morris ranks probably about 22nd to 25th or so. Just somebody who is above the bottom tier of starting point guards, but not quite at the level of the other guys. And it's tough because you you want him to flourish, you want him to succeed, but he's in a situation where coming off of the the knee surgery that he had, he has a lot on his plate. And especially when Jokic goes out, his life kind of gets all the more interesting. He's been up and down. If you rank him as a backup point guard, though, he's excellent. You start to change the perspective just a little bit where he's a tier above pretty much everybody else. I don't know how many backup point guards you could realistically rank ahead of Monte Morris right now. 
think Jalen Brunson, Derek Rose, those are the only two. Those are the only two I'd count. Because Morris is still very good. The opinion on him has shifted a little bit because he hasn't been able to go up against backups, been going up against starters. There were several times last game where he had to go up against Mikhail Bridges. Like, of all people, Mikhail Bridges, who's basically an all-NBA caliber guy, just very long and difficult to get past and athletic and bothersome, he'll still have to deal with his fair share of difficult matchups, but he gets to do so against worse players. And that will help elevate Denver overall, where he gets to work with Jermichael Green, Jeff Green, lift up P.J. Dozier a little bit, lift up Bones Highland if another starter staggers with him. There's still some time for Denver to really figure everything out. And here's number nine. That's another domino effect. And I'm going to talk about the domino effect of Murray coming back because it really does strengthen the entire rotation when he does. Because we talked about Monte Morris, we talked about Will Barton, PJ Dozier, he gets to refocus on defense, gets to refocus on taking easier shots. There have been several times this year where some of the shots that PJ Dozier has taken, has attempted, kind of suck. Like it's just really difficult, really painful shots. But if he is the third option or the fourth option, as opposed to the first or second, then maybe that helps him out. Maybe that helps Denver get into better places with their group, where he gets to take open mid-range jumpers as opposed to step back, turn around contested jumpers. Gets to take pull-up or like easy catch-and-shoot threes as opposed to pull-up threes. And just kind of recentering things around what he's best at, which is defense, which is rotations, which is kind of connecting the entire team together. I think that he can make that happen. And Denver having the flexibility to stagger players like Murray and Barton with the bench more, it means even more flexibility. It's not even just Morris. They can stagger Murray and play Morris, Murray, Dozier, Green, and Green. And you feel pretty good about that group. Because despite the fact that the Greens have had it pretty difficult this year, that Dozier's had it pretty difficult, he doesn't get to play with Morris and Murray. And those guys can alternate running pick and roll, running pick and pop, and have the creativity and the skill level to be able to break down the defense and then make things easier for everybody else. I firmly believe in that. I firmly believe in Murray's ability to step up to the plate when needed. And that is going to have a ripple effect, a domino effect for everybody else. Because it's not just Dozier. It's also Bones Highland, Austin Rivers, Vaku Cabazzo. Those three guys may not even play. Because if Denver's main group is pretty good, if they have like a nine-man rotation, basically, that includes, say, Morris, Murray, and Barton, then they'll probably stagger one of those guys. Let's say it's Barton. And they play Dozier. And they play one of Bones, Rivers, or Faku. The other two wouldn't play at that point. 
And that's okay because Denver, they ultimately get stronger when everybody falls into place, when everybody can then refocus on what they're best at. Because let's face it, that trio has been pretty up and down. Dozier's also been up and down, but he's kind of proven it before within a reduced role. I still think we're waiting, and Rivers has proven it throughout his career too. We're still trying to figure it out with Bones. Hopefully he gets healthy. Hopefully he gets better. And we're still trying to figure it out with Faku, who has shot the ball pretty well over these last few games. Definitely deserves credit for that. But like I said in the past podcast, he's there's still weaknesses in his game that make things really difficult going up against the best teams. So if you don't have to play him, then maybe that strengthens the entire group. I don't know. What I will say is that Faku and Rivers were the starting backcourt for most of the playoffs last year. Now it's most likely going to be Murray and Barton. And that is just such leaps and bounds, more dynamic, more creative, more size. Like, Murray's bigger than Rivers. Barton's bigger than Rivers. They're both way bigger than Faku. Having that size and versatility and the willingness to be able to switch, I think is just, it's going to give Denver some more options. It's going to give them some more pop when it comes to playing against the best teams in the NBA again. Because right now they don't have that. I think that was pretty clear against Phoenix. Doesn't help when you don't have Jokic. But having Murray would have been super helpful. Having Porter would have been super helpful. That last one may not happen, but Jokic and Murray might. I think that's pretty clear. And then lastly, I don't think any team scares me. Like, legit scares me. If Denver has Murray and Jokic, it's a big leap. You want Murray to be 100%. He may not be. But if he's at least 80 to 90, and Jokic is playing at the level that he normally is, he doesn't have any ill effects of the wrist injury, then how many teams can boast that they have a better duo on their roster than Denver does in Jokic and Murray? I think that's the Lakers, potentially, with LeBron and Anthony Davis. We've seen that play out before, but the Lakers are a mess right now. I'm really not sure what to make of the rest of their roster. And if you remember back to the bubble, the rest of their roster was a big deal when it came to matching up with Denver. And Denver didn't have Barton. They didn't have Gordon. They had Grant instead. And while he was helpful, he's not as good of a defender as Aaron Gordon is. And I think that Denver might be even better off if they play Jeff Green, if they play Zeke Naji in some of those cases where have a little bit more versatility a little bit more size, and some defensive-minded guys who could really help. We're going to have to see. But the Suns, like, they don't scare me. They are excellent. Don't get me wrong. They're the best team I've watched Denver play this year. It's not Miami. It's not Utah. It was the Suns. But they still have to prove it against Murray. They still have to prove they can defend the Murray-Okich pick-and-roll. Now, they have Mikhail Bridges, they have DeAndre Ayton, but I've seen Murray destroy those guys anyway. I've seen him do it. So have Suns fans. They know it. So I can't wait to see what Denver can do in a playoff series. And even if it's not those two, 
The Jazz are strong. Utah, they're pretty, they're pretty good. So are the Nuggets. Dallas, they're pretty good. So are the Nuggets. I mean, the Clippers are meh. When they get back Kawhi Leonard, they may not be so meh. But right now they are. The Blazers, meh. Grizzlies, Grizzlies, meh. That's about it. Denver's capable of stepping up and filling in that gap. The Warriors. Hmm. The Warriors are a team that I forgot about. And I do think that they scare me a little bit. Denver having to defend with Murray and Jokic. Trying to switch up and down the floor against a team like Golden State. That could be pretty difficult. But what I will say, and I've thought this for a long time. I think I've said it on the podcast before. That Denver may actually be a better basketball team if they have to go Gordon at the four and three guards against the Suns and the Warriors. Porter may not have a great place in those series if he's playing with Jokic. And Denver has to play with Jokic because he's the best player in the world. Denver's flexibility improves, at least defensively. When Porter isn't out there. And maybe that's a blessing in disguise if you're talking about the Suns, if you're talking about the Warriors. Because those teams are really good. They're also really small. They they switch. They put you in rotation. And Denver needs quick, athletic, switchable players. Dozier's one of those guys. Gordon's one of those guys. Murray and Barton are one of those guys. Porter might not be, and that's okay. But Denver's going to have to find people who can do it. And I think that they can in this case. This is one of those things that really stands out that when you're thinking about roster building, when you're thinking about the championship-level contention, that this was the problem with the Murray-Jokic-Porter pairing trio, excuse me, that the defensive versatility might not be there. It's a good thing that Denver got Aaron Gordon because he does make up for a lot of it. Will Barton, when he gets invested, does make up for a lot of it. Those guys are really good. And I think the Suns know it too. I think the Warriors know it too. And ultimately, it'll come down to if Jokic is better. If he's better than Curry. If he's better than the consistent attack that the Suns can put out there. If he can defeat those matchups, then Denver still has the capability to get to the finals. It's going to take defense. It's going to take effort. It's going to take grinding it out at times. And it's going to take Jokic stepping up. But if he has Murray running with him, I don't see why Denver can't do it. I really don't. Porter's really, really good. But he's an elite role player at this point. He's not a star. I like to call him a star. He carries himself like a star. He's treated like a star by the rest of the league. He's not quite at that level. Murray has proven it, though. And if he's, like I said, 80 to 90% of what he was, potentially 100% of what he was, then the Nuggets are still cooking with gas because of what they've done with the rest of their roster. 
they'll have to find maybe one replacement, whether it's a Kyle Anderson or a Josh Hart or, I don't know, Robert Covington. But they can find those guys. It's about being willing to pay. And if they are willing to pay, Denver still might be having something here. I don't want to discount it just yet. Despite how negative I was before, Denver has the capability. Because if you trust in Jokic like I do, if you trust in Murray like I do, and you tell me that both of those guys are playing, Denver has a chance against anybody, bar none. That's it. And that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook and America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code MHS when you sign up. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be reacting to Tuesday night's game against the Portland Trailblazers. Nikola Jokic is questionable. Hopefully he's healthy. Would love it if he's healthy, as you guys know. Uh, But if he isn't, it's okay. It's still early. It'll be game 18. I need to take a breath just as much as everybody else. Just know that this schedule is pretty tough. But Denver can get through it. And once they do, it gets a lot easier. Because not only does the schedule lighten up, but one of the best players in the NBA might be making his return. Jamal Murray. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon.